Jesus tried to help him. He said, guys, you got to understand, accept life. Take responsibility for life and realize I'm the assurance. I'm the confidence. I'm the, the, the heart that you're going to need in this life. And you're going to have to make a commitment because stuff's going to happen. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. John chapter 16. We've been on a journey. And the journey is about the storms that we deal with in life. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 20, verse 7, it's not in your notes, so just write it down. It says, Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots, but I'm going to trust my God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Stop trying to figure this thing out. In everything, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will set you on the path you need to be on. Isaiah 26, 3 says, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts him. Especially when we're dealing with the storms of life, the adversities that you and I are going to face. Peter said it this way, think it not strange, the fiery trial that is to try you as though some strange thing is happened to you. Over and over from Genesis to Revelation, we have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, storms are a real part of life. Storm is just a metaphor for struggles, difficulties, irritations and frustrations. Anybody besides me have had one or two today. We've got to make decisions, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to make decisions of where we're going to stand. And no, I'm not talking politics. I'm talking Jesus Christ. The safest place to be when you're in a storm is when God is with you. The very first part of the series, the title of the sermon was, He is the I of the storm. 
And if you know anything about people that, that track the hurricanes, they actually fly planes through this horrendous storm to get to the eye of the storm. It's a place of calm and serenity and, and peace. I mean, everything around them could rip their plane apart, but yet they fly through the struggle. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to fly through the struggle sometimes to get to the peace of God. And the best thing to do in the midst of the storm is stop trying to figure out why it happened. The devil will torment you and me. First thing he's going to do is because you have no faith. Oh, nothing irritates me more than Christians to say you're going through what you're going through because you have no faith. Now, don't, I, folks, don't get, don't, don't get upset at me and already. But the reality today is why is it that when they're going through it and they have no faith, that's the reason they're going through it. But when you're going through it, oh, God's building my faith. The reality, ladies and gentlemen, is we're going through it. But can I tell you the key thing? We're going through. We're not staying in. We have to begin to trust that if God allowed you to get there, it's for a reason. And I'm talking about those living for God. See, that's the whole conversation I had with the young man yesterday is the fact is, is if you're living for God and you're in the middle of a storm, God allowed you to get there for some reason. And the thing I know is he's going to be right there with you. Why? Because God's working out what he's working in. Can somebody say amen? We have to get to a place in our life to where we know this man named Jesus. We know our father and we stand with our father. There was a young man that was taking a flight on an airplane one time and his Bible was open him with, uh, open in front of him. And all of a sudden the stewardess came by and and she saw the Bible and she started up a conversation with the man and, and she told the man, she said, you know, a few years ago I, I read that book and, and it was, it was boring. It was dead. I mean, I couldn't figure anything out. But then she said, you know, about a year ago, something happened. I, I can't ex- explain it, but I can't get enough of the Bible. I devour it. And the man with a big old smile on his face said, I know what happened. He said, have you ever picked up a book? And you started reading it. It was dry. It was boring. It was lifeless. But then you went to a book signing. And the author of the book signed it. And you met the man, the woman that, signed, that, that authored that book. And then you took it back home with you. And it was a complete new book, wasn't it? You devoured it. You became, Why? You met the author. You know what happens in God's word? It no longer is boring and lifeless and dead once you meet the author. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I know who wrote this book. It's an exciting book to me because I know who wrote this book. And he said, you know what happened to you? You met the author. And ladies and gentlemen, in the midst of the storm, it can rage all around me. It doesn't matter. I know the author and the finisher of my faith. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that he is the author. And I, I met the one 
who wrote the word of God. But you know something? He didn't just write it on pages. He wrote it on my heart. I don't look at even even the hard pieces of God's word. I don't look at it as something beating me over the head. I look at it as pages to challenge, to encourage, to strengthen. Oh, maybe even to chastise. Folks, I desire what God's doing. I don't resent a lick of it, even if I don't understand it. You see, it's always easier to face the winds that blow, to live through the pages of uncertainty, to go through the storms of life when I know the author has written my life into the pages of this living. John 16, open your Bibles with me. It's not going to be on the screen. You didn't put it on the screen, did you, Bob? Good, thank you. Bob does such extraordinary work. Sometimes he'll look at something. He said, oh, I'll just fix that because, you know, the preacher, he forgets things sometimes. Oh, nobody else believes that. Praise the Lord. I'm good. John 16, verse 1. I'm going to read the first four verses, then I'm going to jump down to the 33rd verse. 31st verse, I'm sorry. Look what it says here. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. So whatever translation that you're reading, if it's not New Living, it'll be a little bit different, but you'll get the gist of it. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and I'm going to break this down, and, and I'm going to take you just in a nutshell, John 13, 14, 15, and 16 in a moment. But let me read to you John 16. Jesus said, I've told you these things that you won't abandon your faith. Stop there in your scripture. John 13, Jesus is talking about responsibility. Don't, don't look at your notes. Just, just look at me for a second here. In John 13, Jesus is teaching the disciples about responsibility. He's talking to them about how to live this life. You would say, Pastor, why is he talking about responsibility? Because the minute you reject responsibility, you reject life. Because people are going to let you down. And I can't be responsible to them or for them. All I can do is be responsible to them. What do I mean by that? My life has to be stable. And my stability is not based on your stability or instability. That's why I can stand when everybody else falls. That's why you can stand when everybody else falls. Why? Because you understand responsibility. What did Jesus do in, in, in John 13? He washed the disciples' feet. He was betrayed by both Judas and Peter. And in the midst of all of it, he said, I want to teach you the greatest thing you can know, and that is to love one another as I have loved you. That's all John 13. He talked to them about the responsibility of life. Then the second thing he did in John 14, he talked to them about the assurance of life. See, first off, responsibility. I have to accept life just the way it is. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. I have to accept the reality. I'm going to make life. Life's not going to make me. Are you okay? See, this is how your pastor learned how to get through struggles, how to face the storms. Because, you know, it's not a, it's not a pat on my back. It's not a whoa, poor, pitiful me. But I face more storms than most of you will ever face. 
You know why? I get the 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, it's not the nuclear call. It's the call. My son just died. My baby just died. A host of other things. Folks, I deal with this kind of stuff every single day. And like I said, it's not a pat on, or it's not a poor opinion. It's just the reality. If I did not know the peace in the midst of the storm, folks, no one can carry these things. Are you with me? You deal with things that I don't know. That's why Jesus outlined these four chapters and this was right before he was crucified. He's laying all this down there. And he said, guys, you better grab a hold of the responsibility of life. And you have to understand the assurance of life, John 14. He said, you want to know assurance? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And there is no other hope for mankind. And then at the end of it, when it was all said and done, he said, yes, I'm leaving. But don't worry. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. I'm sending the comforter and he's going to give you comfort because in my name, you're going to be given authority. The third thing that Jesus did in this passage in John 15, he said, you got to begin to understand commitment. And I spent a long time in John 15 with this young man yesterday. Jesus says in John 15, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you stay connected to me, you'll produce fruit. If you don't, he said, you'll be thrown into the fire. You see, there is a commitment. If we're going to deal with the storms of life, you cannot just run to Jesus when the things are blowing. You've got to have a solid foundation before the blowing ever gets here. See, that's the whole passage that we talked about in the first part of this series. You've got to have your house, your life built on the rock. Because the storms are coming. See, I'm not a bearer of bad news, folks. I'm a liver of life. I'm an understander of this thing that Jesus gave us called life. Are you with me today? We have to be connected to the vine and reject the world. And what we're going to spend our time on today is John 16. So I, I want to take you through John 16 but I want you to have homework today. When you go home, read John 13, 14, 15, and 16. Because that's the context of today's message. I've told you these things that you won't abandon your faith. You will be kicked out of the synagogues, the churches, the different things. It happened then, ladies and gentlemen, it's coming. There's a time coming. Look what it says, that those who kill you think they're doing a holy service to God. What do you think the Muslims are doing? I'm not convinced that they just like to kill people, but if you're not committed to their God, you're not worth living. Thank God Christians don't do that. Are you with me this morning? He said the time's coming. There are people going to kill you thinking they're doing God a service. This is because they do not know the Father or me. I'm telling you these things. Underline these words, please. I'm telling you these things. If you write in your Bible, it's not in your notes. I'm telling you these things. 
Jesus reiterates what he just said in chapter 16, verse 1. I'm telling you these things. In verse 32, he's telling us again. He said, I'm telling you these things. Or actually, chapter uh, verse 4. I'm telling you these things that when they happen, you will remember my warning. And Jesus went through the rest of chapter 16 talking about the fact that he's with them. He's encouraging them. He's strengthening them. But then he closes out the chapter starting with the 33rd verse, 31st verse. And they, and he says these words. He says, now you believe? I've told you all the stuff that I've been telling you for the last three and a half years. And now you believe? But the time is coming. Look what it says. Indeed, it's now here when you will be scattered, each one of you going to his own way. And leaving me all alone. But then I want you to, if you're in your Bible, I want you to underline these words. Yet, I'm not alone. Yet, I'm not alone. Look at me. When it's all pressing in around you, how many felt like you're all alone? Nobody understands. Nobody, you don't know where I'm at. Folks, I could have been exactly where you are and where you've been. But while you're there, that storm is so ominous that you don't think anybody, let alone God, even knows you're there. Am I making any sense today? That's why you need to understand you're not alone. My Father is with me. And then what I want to emphasize is verse 33. He said, guys, understand. I've told you all of this because I want you to know in me is the only way you're going to have peace. In this world, you're going to have problems. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In Christ is where our peace comes. Quickly, let me take you into this morning's message. We fear what we don't understand. If you're a Christian and you've gone through struggles or maybe you're going through struggles right now, I can guarantee every one of you have scratched your head and said, what the heck is going on? God, where are you? You feel like, man, you're at the bottom of the barrel. Matter of fact, you're so low, looking up looks high. And you're saying, God, what's, what's going on? You see, as Christians, we think, We shouldn't be going through these different things. Though throughout the scripture, once again, John 13, 14, 15, and 16, Jesus tried to help them say, guys, you got to understand, accept life. Take responsibility for life and realize I'm the assurance. I'm the confidence. I'm the the, the heart that you're going to need in this life. And you're going to have to make a commitment because stuff's going to happen. Misconstrued they are. Over the years, fears abound. Fears like the unknown. How about the why did this happen? But I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a, a hard statement. I blame a lot of this in the Christian circles on the pulpit because we're so busy. We're so busy trying to encourage you, trying to bless you trying to lift you. That we don't talk about the stuff that got you where you are. 
And then the next time you're there, now all of a sudden, I'm preaching a false doctrine. Because I told Claude, it ain't going to be this way. Or I come over and told Vern, you know, Vern, you know, if you just live for God, bed of roses. But I didn't tell him. There's a bunch of thorns under those rose petals. You see, we're so busy trying to fill the pews that we're not allowing God to change the hearts. And we have to allow God to change the hearts. And the only way we can do that is by preaching His Word. Word for word, cover to cover, book to book. Most of our fears come, I believe, from bad teaching. And a lack of knowledge from the Christian because most Christians don't even read their Bible. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, We are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You see, ladies and gentlemen, it's not enough to know what someone else says or knows. It matters what you say and know. Jesus took his disciples to the most religious place of the time. It was a place called Caesarea Philippi. And they had every monument to every God, like another place over in Ephesus. They had every place. Why? Because Caesar wanted to be worshipped. That's why it was called Caesarea in Philippi. And Jesus took them there and he said, who do men say that I am? And I want you to listen to this, ladies and gentlemen, because this is a question that will change your life. The disciples responded, oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're this. And you know what Jesus did? Look at me. Look, 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 look. You know what he did? He looked right in the face and said, Patrick, who do you say I am? He said, Steve, who do you say? Cheryl, who do you say I am? You see, it matters little what Pastor Tim says he is. What Pastor Philemon says he is. Who Pastor Ray, Pastor Jewel, it matters very little. Who Kelly says he is. Who do you say he is? You know why? When it's all struggles and difficulties, Kelly ain't going to be there. Steve's not going to be there. Pastor Tim may not be there. She's going to know, okay, God, I've taken responsibility in my life. Yep. I've trusted you to assure my life is strong. And I've made commitment to that life. And because of that, I stand in peace. See, it's not a matter of who I say he is. Storms, ladies and gentlemen, will always blow most fierce when you don't understand them. Yet, what makes them even worse still is when you don't expect them. As a Christian, begin to expect storms. They're going to happen. No, I am not a, 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 I'm not claiming defeat. I'm not proclaiming defeat. I am accepting the responsibility and making a commitment to the assurance and the confidence of peace that the world is full of problems, but Jesus is full of peace. Can somebody say amen? amen? Many say, I'm a Christian. It's not supposed to be this way. You're right. It's not, but it is. Let me get to some personal notes. You see, it's the unexpected, the all of a sudden, the it shouldn't have happened 
that causes the most damage. We've all seen it. The pastor that fell. Oh, man, it becomes national news. The hidden sin in the church, the sin that's happening right in the leadership, right on the platform, and the other leadership does nothing about it. They just let it go on. Oh, people know about it, but they don't do anything about it. It's not supposed to be that way. You're right. As a man of God, I have to deal with that stuff. I have to challenge that stuff, and sometimes I have to chastise that stuff by removing that person or situation. How about this one? The pastor that forgets to call you when you're going through the storm. Oh, he knows about it, but he forgot to call. Life kind of caught up with him too. How about the message I preach that offends you? You see, ladies and gentlemen, life is real and storms happen in life. In our passage, not just John 16, but John 13 through 16, God tells us over and over, life is about responsibility, not theirs, yours. And unless I accept that responsibility, I'm not going to live this life very long. Oh, not victoriously anyway. It's about assurance. The fact there's only one hope, and that's in Jesus Christ. It's not in victorious life. It's not in some other religion or some other church. It's in Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's about commitment, the dedication of my life, the consecration Realizing my life is not my own. It has been bought with a price and it belongs to him. And because I have accepted the responsibility, called for the assurance and committed myself to it, in him I can have peace. Strange, does it not seem that he'd be telling them something that they should already know for as long as they've been with him. But you know what happens? It's on the screen. Jesus was trying to help them realize that it's only an individual commitment that would help them through the darkest times. Not church commitment. Well, I can call a pastor anytime. Yes, you can. What if my phone doesn't answer? What if I forget to call back? You see, it's not that relationship with me that's going to help in that dark time. It's that relationship with Jesus that's going to help in that dark time. Jesus was telling them, well, in John chapter 16, look what it says here. Until now, you have asked me nothing in my name. He said, ask now and you'll receive that your joy might be full. You know what Jesus was doing? He was telling them, even though it doesn't seem like it, you're going to receive greater joy knowing that I'm with you even when you can't see me. You'll know that I still love you, Jesus says. See, that's what Jesus was doing with Thomas. When he came, he didn't rail on Thomas when he came to the upper room and he appeared to them. And Thomas was saying, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my finger in the nail prints and thrust my hand into his side. I'm not going to believe. Could you imagine Jesus walking in? Oh, you lazy, lousy, doubting bum. 
Now, what did he do? When he showed up, the first thing he did, peace, be still. Peace. And then he walked right up to Thomas. I said, Tom, here you go. Here, here, here. He said, don't be faithless. Just believe. You know who he's talking to? Every single one of us. Because every single one of us are Thomas. I just, you know, I, I, what I'm, I'm dealing with, I'm having a hard time believing God. I'm having a hard time. God says, peace. Peace. Remember who I am. Peace. And then he says, I want you to see. I've been through your ad. I got the nails. I got the spear. I've been through the pain, the suffering, the struggle, the sorrow, the storm. Oh, it beat me to hell and back. You but know what will happen? I'm looking for something. He said, but I beat it. And I got the keys. Jesus said, I beat it. And now I'm driving. And I'm driving now. You know what he said, Clint? You beat it. You got the keys now. You're in charge. You're driving now. Aren't you, Steve? You got the keys. Listen, the death, hell, and the grave. I got the keys. And I'm I'm in charge now. I got the victory. And you know all I had to do? Just stand. You know why? When you stand, all of heaven stands with you. And Jesus said, you got the keys now. You got the victory. It doesn't matter what the devil does. It doesn't matter what the devil does. Uh, several does. <laughs> devil says. Try to say that three times fast. It doesn't matter. Do you know why? I got the keys. Do you know what happened? When Jesus died at Calvary, we find it recorded in Matthew chapter 28. He said, all power. On heaven and earth has been given to me. And now I give it to you. I give it to you. You got the keys. You got the keys. You got the authority, the dominion. How many, how many of you remember the, the movie Castaway? How many remember the movie, uh, the other one with Tom Hanks? Uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Captain Dan, Captain Dan. <laughs> you remember him up on top of the boat? He didn't have a relationship with God. You know, at the end of the movie, he got a relationship. But he was up on the top of that pole saying, come on, do your best. Can I tell you, because you got the keys You can tell the devil, do your worst. Because my God already beat your butt. He did the best. Come on, give my hand clap of praise, would you? <coughs> you need to give those back to the jewel or I won't be able to get home today. God is in control. Say that with me. God is in control. 
control. Say it again. God is in control. And nothing touches the father's child that doesn't first touch the child's father. God is the one that said, hey, if you're going through it, I'll take you and I'll help you and I'll lift you. And God said, don't worry. In this world, you might have a storm or two, but in me, you're going to have peace. Can somebody say amen? See, God uses the storms of life not for correction, but for perfection. You're not there because God's trying to fix you. God's trying to grow you. God's trying to mature you. God's trying to develop you. You see, as we begin to understand and accept that life is about responsibility, assurance, commitment, we no longer will despair. We can walk in peace. If we remember one simple truth, and that is that all storms we face are not so ominous when we understand this one truth. Life isn't fair. Oh, pastor, that's, that's no big truth. Talk to the person who's going through it. So, Pastor, what's why? Why is life not? It's not God's fault. It's because Adam and Eve turned the keys over to Satan. When Jesus rose from the dead on that third day, and He took the keys, that's when He took the keys of death and hell. He didn't take the keys back to the world. There's still another God in this world. His name's Lucifer. And he will run your life if you let him. You see, the problems are not because of God, but because of sin. In our text, Jesus tells us, and he emphasizes the fact that he's sending the comforter, the assurance of the hope that we're going to have in this world. Why? Because he knew we're going to have problems. But Jesus on this earth was man with us, God with us in bodily form. He could not be everywhere all the time. Guess what? Or anytime he was where he was. That's why Jesus said up until now, you haven't asked me anything because I was right there with you. But he said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. You know why? He can be everywhere at the same time, taking care of every problem at any time. Can somebody say amen? See, the reality, ladies and gentlemen, is we needed Jesus to go to heaven to defeat hell, to send the Holy Spirit to give us the victory that we need in our lives. The world is full of sin. Not because of God, but because of man's rebellion. And most Christians fall away because they lack commitment. I read a book one time of a very wise teacher. And every year, he stood up before his class. He was a college professor. And he stood up before his class and he said, you can take this class. This is how he started his class every year. He said, you can take this class seriously or over. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't take life over, so we better take it serious. We better realize that we have a commitment to the responsibility of this life if we hope to have the assurance of his peace 
working in our life. Why? Because, folks, life gets difficult. It gets increasingly more difficult when we wander from the source of peace. But we can have courage. And that courage is very simply that God's grace is sufficient. You see, we have to develop courage for the great sorrows of life and patience for the small ones. Victor Hugo once said, and when you've finished your daily task, you can go to sleep and not worry about anything. You know why? Because the Bible says God is still awake. Our commitment to God I'm going to begin to wrap this up, but I want you to hear this because it's very straightforward and it's just like your pastor preaches. I don't change this. I don't challenge this. I don't compromise this book. I preach it. Our commitment to God is what gives us peace because people are going to let you down. This pastor, Pastor Tim Masters, will let you down. The pastors of this church will let you down. Don't look at me like that because you will let me down too. It's called people. Look at somebody and say, he knows me pretty good, doesn't he? It's called people. We live in this world. God has said that the just shall live by faith. Yet faith is the Christian's hardest essential to accept because faith in and of itself is totally beyond the scope of our ability. It is all God. When those three Hebrew children were thrown in that fiery furnace, what'd they think? We're done. See, that's natural reasoning. But when they got in there and, oh, cool. Sauna. The Bible says, look at God. It says the ropes were burned, but their flesh wasn't touched. That when the king looked in there, he said, didn't I throw three in there? But there's four. God didn't keep them from the fire. He walked right in with them. God didn't keep Daniel out of the lion's den. He just made sure the lion's mouths were shut. They had to fast for the night. Our commitment to God, ladies and gentlemen, is the key to the peace we have. You say, Pastor, that sounds so simple. Just like faith. It is simple. What do you can you make it even simpler? Yes. No matter what happens, I'm not going to fall. No matter what happens, I'm not going to quit. No matter what happens, I'm not going to give in. No matter what happens, I'm not going to get mad at God. No matter what happens, fill in the blank. See, that's what commitment's all about. That's what commitment is all about. And that's what gives you an IP. Second Timothy chapter 2, look what it says. Follow the Lord's rules for doing His work. Or you'll be disqualified. God has set the plan. God has set the rules. Sometimes our lack of peace 
is because we're trying to do God's work our way. And it doesn't work like that. God simply says, be grateful, be thankful, be thoughtful, be hopeful, be graceful. And if you are, you will have peace. Why? Because peace is simply a matter of trust. God, this is your deal. When my wife and I entered into the ministry, I shared with her, this is exactly what it's going to be like. Has it been that way, sweetie? It is. It's ministry. It doesn't change. But the confidence that we had when we walked into it, say, okay, God, we're going to trust you no matter what. Doesn't matter what goes on, what happens. How many ever saw the bumper sticker? No God, no peace. Or no God, K-N-O-W, and no peace, K-N-O-W. Folks, that's the bottom line. If you don't have God in your life, you'll never have peace in your life. But if you know the author, if you know your God, and you stand up in the midst of the struggles, guess what? His peace that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus our Lord. John chapter 14 says, I'm leaving you with a gift. I'm leaving you with a gift. I'm leaving you with a gift. And you know the gift that God left? Peace of mind and heart. He said, it's my peace that I give you, not the fragile peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you that I am going away, but I'm coming back. And if you really love me, you will be very happy that I'm going away, that I'm going back to my father who is greater than me. And John, Jesus says it again. Remember John 13, 14, 15, and 16. The whole context of you and I having peace, though in the world we have struggles. Look what he says. I told you these things before they happened so that when they do, you will believe. You will have faith. God's word was laid out or has laid out the trials and the triumphs. It's laid out the victories and the defeats. One of the things that I love about reading God's word, when I read about Solomon, oh, I read about this wise guy who does some pretty stupid things. God didn't hold that part back. When I read about David, oh, powerful guy that messed up a bunch. Aren't you glad that God put the good and the bad about the same people? How, in, how would you and I ever make it through if all we read about how awesome David was, how awesome Solomon was, how awesome this person was, how awesome said, oh, God, what am I, a sliced liver, you know? Jesus came. He laid out his word with the rules of life and how we're to trust, believe, and live. He didn't come to teach us how to treat him. He came to teach us how to treat each other. He didn't come to show us how to act towards God. He showed us how to accept the responsibility of life and act towards others. That's why he gave us the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In a great 
1948 Armistice Day address as the usher team or the worship team comes. General Omar Bradley made this statement as he was conferring the nation of Israel. He said, we have too many men of science and too few men of God. We've grasped the mystery of the Adam, but we've rejected the Sermon on the Mount. Ours is a world of nuclear giants and ethical infants. We know more about killing than we know about living. We know more about war than we know about peace. Ladies and gentlemen, there's not a single person that knows any more about your struggles than you, that knows anything more about the storms you have faced than you. I can sit down and comfort you, bring words of encouragement, bring words of hope and confidence, but you know where I'm going to get them from? The only one that knows it better than you. His name was Jesus. His name was Jesus. He's walked where you've walked. He's lived where you lived. And he said, I'm going home to my dad now, but I'm going to send my comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because hand in hand, he's going to walk right along with you. Patrick Henry said, if life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery, he said, forbid it all. God forbid. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty. Let me change that word liberty. Give me a life that's free or give me death. And to that response, not to Patrick Henry's response, but to the response of hurting people everywhere. Jesus gave us John 8, where he said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. For in this you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. If Jesus sets you free, come on, don't hold it back. You are truly free. When Jesus sets you free, you are truly free. When you know you're free, there's nothing, anybody, anything can do to take that freedom from me. Romans chapter 8. Look what it says here. I am convinced, verse 38. This is, this is the guy that knew the author. This is the guy that knew his freedom. He said, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor any power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Amen. When you know that, you have peace. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise, would you? I talked about four things. I took this out of John 16, but I talked about the context of John 16. 
I talk about responsibility. The song we're about to sing says, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. Well, this song talks about his responsibility. It's talking about understanding. If I'm going to live in this life, I have to become responsible for my life. I can't do anything about what everybody else does. But I can do something about how I respond to it. Because if I'll take that responsibility, I can then have assurance that I'll never go through anything I can't handle. But with everything, he'll make a way to escape that I might be able to bear up under it. You notice he didn't say, I'm going to take it away. He said, I'm going to give you the strength to stand up under it. And said, so when the devil tries to tell you that you're by yourself, don't worry. Everybody's going through the same stuff. Different day, different way. In me. And then he told us, the way you do that is make a commitment. And that commitment, ladies and gentlemen, is to Jesus Christ and him only. We have a actual membership in this church, and there's a reason for that membership. But putting your name on the roll of this church isn't going to get you to heaven. There's only one role that you can be on that gets you to heaven. That's the Lamb's Book of Life. And one day, God's going to look to Jesus and say, is his name there? And Jesus is going to say yes or no. I loved it in, in the book of Luke when, when the disciples came back and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Do you see the authority you have? You have the keys. You have the authority, the dominion. And Jesus looked at him and said, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you. He said, rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then he said, folks, if you will do this, you will always have peace. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Please.